Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees, a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. Send us an email. We're also a part of the Movie John Podcast Network. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today we are talking about Tom Savini. Yes. Very excited to talk about Tom. I mean, he is a, a true legend. Absolutely. A household uh, fave, for sure. And uh, also a very fun social media presence. I feel <laughs> like, I think he just had his like 70th birthday recently or something. And he just like posted a shirtless picture of himself. Hell and yeah. I was like, Savini's still got it. I was like, say, good he still looks foxy, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a foxy dude. Yeah. Foxy Italian gentleman. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like a thing I didn't understand about Tom Savini was like his sex appeal until watching Knight Riders. And yes. then I was like, oh, yeah, got it. Okay. Fully you are, understand yeah, it you are a hot dude. Yep. And yeah. I was like, oh, my apologies for not understanding the sooner yes um yeah i mean i'm really excited to talk about him and we're gonna i mean he literally has so many different imdb credits uh from like we'll talk about it but like he's just done so much work on films in different capacities so i feel like we're gonna go through and talk about like all all of his stuff uh in great detail so it should be pretty fun so, uh, yeah, let's uh, talk about our recent watches and then jump into our Savini chat. Hell yeah. What uh, What do you want to talk about that we've watched? I mean, I have watched a lot of stuff. There was like a week, of, like maybe one or two weeks ago, where I think I had like 14 movies that I had watched. Oh, my so, God. That is so many for you. Yeah, I've, I've been going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um one movie I definitely want to talk about that I watched is the um, recently added to Netflix movie Incantation. Yeah, you've been talking to me about this a lot. You loved this movie. Yeah, it's really, really good. I believe it is an Indonesian horror film. Okay. Um, and I'm going to check that just so I uh, know if I'm saying the right thing or not. But. It's a found footage movie that um, I I do happen to think that found footage can be like pretty effective when it's utilized in the right ways. And this is like very, very creepy, really unsettling. Um, I yeah. Oh, it's it's uh, from Taiwan. OK. Um, and yeah, it was just like very, very effective. Um, it's like uh, this woman breaks this um, religious taboo and is cursed and is worried that the curse is going to like affect her daughter. Hmm. Um, 
and everyone kind of thinks she's crazy. And like they describe it as like a curse that the more you know about it, the worse it gets, uh, which is just I, I like like really weird concepts like that, too. And it is like one of those movies I think we've talked about recently, especially a lot of like um, like Asian horror films we watched where it is kind of about these things that spread to other people, like whether it be curses or I don't know, diseases, like what have you. Because um, we watched Cure recently, too, which is kind of about like I don't know like this violence that is like extending from person to person yes. and I just love those ideas uh, but yeah this was really really creepy and uh, probably one of my favorite horror movies of the year uh, oh okay really great. Yeah. amazing yeah yeah like uh curses that are more like uh that spread like diseases right like that that's something that we've been interested in yeah lately yeah yeah I think it's pretty cool yeah. um so that was definitely one I wanted to mention did you maybe want to talk about The Black Phone as well? Another yeah. like, new movie that we thought was real good? Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that we had like a terrible theater experience mm-hmm, for this mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. Real bad, real bad. Uh, the movie was great. Uh, I, in general, really like um, Joe Hill's stories. So mm-hmm. I'm excited that more of his stuff is being adapted. Um I like Ethan Hawke, and Ethan Hawke was very creepy in this. He's real good in this movie. I think he's doing some very interesting work, especially yeah. considering the movie really backgrounds him and his character in a big way yeah. uh, that people may not be expecting based on like the advertising or whatever. And yeah. so he like does a lot with sort of like very minimal material, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah, and uh, I think my only thing is that I don't really like the way Scott Derrickson films tend to look. Um, I'm but with you. Like, there were moments that, like, really made me jump out mm-hmm. of my seat and, like, really made me, like, I sometimes just, like, have my fists really tight because I'm so stressed and I was doing that a lot. Um, and also the kid performances were great. There were, were so good. many good, like, kid actors in this movie and I was shocked how much I loved all of them. Yeah, the cool kid that's, like, an anti-bully bully was yeah, amazing. Yeah, and he's talking about, like, uh, Bruce Lee movies yeah. in the bathroom with the kid and I was just like, oh, these guys are dope. I yeah. love this. yeah. Uh, I did really enjoy it. Like, and I thought the ending was very fulfilling. It was like a really exciting, yeah. fulfilling conclusion. Yeah, you could like feel people in our theater getting really excited yeah. towards the end, which I really love those moments yeah. where you just like feel the energy of the room. And yeah. so everyone was like, yeah, like, yeah. Fuck, fuck yeah, this yeah, is yeah. great. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, so I'm glad we talked about those. Um, and then, yeah, I've been watching a lot of just, like, especially weird, like, Asian horror films because uh, our friend Ben uh, introduced me to the Internet Archive, which I probably should have known about before. But <laughs> yes. there's so many movies that I have on my watch list from people like Amber who live in other countries yep. and have, like, have, like, a little bit more access to some stuff that... I just didn't think I'd be able to find. And a bunch of them were on the Internet Archive, uh, including the guinea pig movies, which thus far I have only watched one, but it is guinea pig six mermaid in the manhole. Mm -hmm. Um, These are very gross movies, Mm -hmm. uh, but I now have all all six of them. And I think there's like a seventh that is also like. Uh, people say is like an honorary yeah, guinea you have pig like movie all or something. Eight and a half guinea pig movies, yeah. including like I think like a like a making of movie. Yeah, and a, an honorary guinea pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched this one because it was the one I wanted to watch most, like Mermaid in a Manhole. I was like, that sounds weird. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, but. It was very gross, and I felt kind of icky afterwards. But I think I I think there are some that the concepts are maybe maybe would be a little too tough for me. Like I think there's one that is just about guys capturing a girl and torturing her, and that might be too hard for me to I watch. I thought I read that about one of them that it just yeah. is yeah yeah yeah. It's like yeah. They, I mean, 
the th- if you are not familiar with the guinea pig films, if you're listening to this, like the thing with these movies is that I think for a little while they were these are one of those things where it's like it's hard to tell the urban myth from the reality. But mm-hmm. for a little while, people thought they were like real snuff films. Yeah, I, I believe. So yes, they yep. they feature some really extreme stuff. Yeah, it's pretty wild, but I mean, I I kind of want to watch more of them just because these are some really weird things I didn't think I've had access I would have access to. So I'm excited about them. Yeah, um, for some reason that sounds as interesting to you as it does to Tori. Uh, you can get that yep. whole collection on uh, the Internet Archive. And uh, I think Amber actually wrote a piece on all of the guinea pig movies for uh, Ghoul's Mag. Uh, oh, cool. I think she just reposted it recently. So if you are interested, you should definitely check that out. Yeah, uh, Tori's referring to Amber T, our former guest on our song yes. kang ho episode from horn blood fire podcast yeah, yeah. um any other movies that you want to mention boo oh not necessarily i mean you've been doing me the favor of catching up on the mission impossible movies with me yes. and have i think been enjoying it especially as we got into the christopher mcquarrie of it all yes we i have now seen all of the mission impossible movies i think i want to say maybe the last one the last two are definitely the best of them i think i might like the last one a little bit more than five um was that like that's like those are pretty close together yeah i think so you like having cavill around and a couple of the other people was really good and i don't think i i haven't enjoyed cavill in too many things but uh his performance is very memeable and like (laughs) gifable so i feel like i've seen it online a lot and i was definitely uh excited to watch him like charging up his arms to punch (laughs) people it's also a beautiful action movie yeah it looks really good gorgeous movie yeah uh, and uh, but yeah, I think maybe personal favorite John is Woo's still, still the top. John Woo's, yeah. uh, just because I think it is so hilarious and has a lot of just like uh, secret gay energy, which is one of my favorite things about uh, a lot of action movies. Yeah, so and, you know, carried forward it through the franchise. Yeah, I think with um, the character of Benji, I think yeah. there's a little bit of a secret romance happening there, in That's my true. opinion. Um, I just feel like I always want, I like, I love when like the villain and the hero like, uh, kind of like are into each other. Yeah, and some you're, unspoken like, chemistry Ooh. there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, fair enough. Fair enough. It's just because I want Hannibal season four, yes. which uh, I will talk about Brian Fuller later in relation to Tom Savini, yes. and I can't wait to bring it up. Well, it's, I want to thank you for watching the missions with me. Because, you're welcome. Uh, I'm having a great time introducing you to the missions. Yep. And, I did it. Getting you to mostly nod at me and say, like, yeah, sure, Tom Cruise. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it also made me really happy in the last one where you find out that his uh, former wife is, like, totally upgraded and is dating... uh, Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley, who uh, is one of those... I talk about this all the time. Like, people that look like Huskies (laughs) and how I find that's, like, hot, where it's, like, they got, like, dark hair, blue eyes. understand everything you're saying. Uh, And Wes Bentley is, I think, like, maybe my main, like, person that looks like a Husky, and I just love him. And I was like, ooh, girl, you upgraded upgraded like yeah. a way to go <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and you know it's nice that they go out of their way to to say that that character is like doing very well independently of ethan you yes. know what i mean yeah. yeah and yeah but like like oh like i actually realized i wanted something else in my life yes. because you exposed me maybe to like these dangerous yes. things yes. but like using that to like you know 
offer like healthcare to people yeah. in like nations right. that don't have access to a lot of healthcare and things like that. And I'm like, oh, that is like a very awesome, like badass bitch way to like cope yeah. with your relationship. Yeah. And, you know, feels like they honor a character to some extent that was maybe given short shrift uh, yeah. earlier in the series, you know? That's true. Uh, which is cool. But yeah, so, you know, thanks for doing that with me. I didn't know if maybe you wanted to talk about Thriller really quickly before we oh, move on. Oh, yeah. Because I, I know this is one we've been meaning to watch for a while. Thriller was really cool. And I was actually worried. This was one I was, like, putting off for a while because yeah. it's a rape revenge that yeah. I know I need to see to talk about rape revenge. But yeah. was actually not as bad as I thought it would be compared to some other things that I have seen. Like, I've seen I Spit on Your Grave, and mm -hmm. that is a really hard one to watch. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing about Thriller is that when you hear about it, you basically get told, like, oh, it's one of the most extreme rape revenges because yeah. it has so much unsimulated sex in it. Which I, I don't think I knew about the unsimulated sex, and I have been kind of getting into, like, some snuff, like, porn films yeah. thanks to video or uh, Vinegar Syndrome yeah, recently. You've been, you've been getting into pornographic movies, and I mean, literally, <laughs> like movies that yes. have like pornographic elements yes. in them. Yeah, and yeah. so I have it, but it's still funny like how we don't see it like sex is such a weird thing in movies where seeing unsimulated sex is like every time I'm like oh whoa okay oh yeah I know <laughs> and you know I and because it's it's not like when you're just like watching porn or something. Well, it's, it's like you're watching a film with unsimulated sex. It's a tough movie to talk about because one of the things that is really interesting about it is that it has unsimulated and therefore pornographic sex in it. Yeah. But it is never sexy. Yes. The only intimate things that happen in the movie are the violence that she enacts against her mm -hmm. rapists, you know. Um, yeah. and, and those are like shot very intimately compared to the sex, which yeah. is very frank and clinical and, and pornographic in the sense that it is unsimulated, yeah. but otherwise is like very difficult to watch and upsetting, I think. Yeah. Um, but her lead performance is so great. And yeah. you kind of just get to watch her like use the situation she is in to her benefit to like use that money to train and yeah. learn what she needs to do to actually like enact her bloody revenge. And I love that aspect of the movie. She turns herself into a comic book character, yeah. right? Like if in, um, like I was thinking about how like the female prisoner scorpion movies mm. have very similar sort of like iconography as far as like really interesting costuming yeah. and silhouetting of the main character and stuff. This does a lot of the same stuff very iconic costuming and silhouettes and stuff. But like, you watch her turn herself physically into that comic mm -hmm. book character where I think a lot of other movies like this, we sort of, there's like a more allegorical, like she becomes this thing. We watch her yeah. turn herself into this thing, yeah. which I think is a really interesting kind of uh, uh, thing. Yeah. Um, she also has an eye patch to match all of her outfits, which I think is Fuck really it. cool. That's what I mean. I mean, it's like the costuming in this is incredible. I was like, oh, she has a pink eye patch for whenever she's wearing her like little pink like, yes. robe. She's got like an orange one for that really amazing oh, orange outfit yes. that she's wearing. And then I was like, wow, I don't know why you have all these eye patches, but cool. I it's love awesome. the accessorizing. Uh, I love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. So it's, it is, you know, it is one of the, the sort of capital letters exploitation yes, movies for and sure. uh, I think it really lives up to that reputation yeah. in, a, in, a, in a good way actually yeah uh, yeah uh, it was it was really cool I'm f glad that I got to see it obviously hard to watch for a lot of reasons oh, probably for you know, a lot of yeah, people content warning but, you know yes. yeah yep um, all right let us talk about the Savines let's get into Tom um, so yes Tom Savini has 
38 acting credits, 9 directing credits, 5 producer credits, 24 special effects credits, 31 makeup department credits, and 6 stunt credits. Hell yeah. So he is like literally done so much. He's done it all. Uh, he really has. Um, and I have a quote that I found uh that I think is perfect for Savini. Um, Film is a truly magical medium. You can create illusions of reality, make people think they've seen things that they really haven't, like blowing a guy's head off with a shotgun. (laughs) I'm just like, yep, there you go. Yep. The magic of movies. The magic of movies. Um, So Tom Savini was born November 3rd, 1946 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, so he's a Pittsburgh boy. Which I feel like I probably should have known with his relationship with Romero, but did not. That is very interesting to me that that probably, I guess we'll find out, but that probably means Romero is where he comes into this world of film and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he was inspired like from a young age by a lot of different movies. Um, Specifically, they mentioned like Man of a Thousand Faces Mm. and the silent era actor Lon Chaney oh, sure. um, and so he really wanted to simulate and emulate those like uh, theatrical makeup effects that mm-hmm. Chaney was doing in his career um, so he like spent a lot of his youth uh, creating makeup effects which is uh, something that my little 10 year old sister has kind of been doing really and cool. I'm like oh man if she becomes like a Tom Savini I will be so excited Thomasina Savini <laughs> uh, um, he wrote a book recently called Grand Illusions he actually talks about uh, trying to apply prosthetics to his face using spearmint gum <laughs> because he thought it was the same thing as spirit gum which is <laughs> what you actually use which I thought was very funny that's very funny um, and then later in his life he uh, decides to sign up for the army and he becomes a combat photographer in Vietnam. And so is that, do you, uh, I don't know if you have this information. He enlisted, he was not um, I believe drafted. he enlisted, okay. um, which I have a note about that later too. Okay. Um, yes. So I think he enlisted. Um, he said, I get asked, uh, specifically, Uh, specifically talking about Vietnam and its influence on his makeup effects. He says, I get asked this question a lot. I did see a lot of firsthand anatomically correct gore. And I think the most important part of that was if we create a dead body or situation, there's a certain feeling you get from seeing the real thing. If I'm creating a gory effect and I don't get that same feeling when I saw the real stuff, then I'm not satisfied. It's really interesting because there's almost an implication there that like, He's not always recreating reality. He's yeah. trying to recreate the feeling that reality generated. Yes. Right? Which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. He says, like, that's, you know, this is the reason why my work looks so visceral and authentic. Um, mm. He said, what saved me from going insane in Vietnam was looking at these horrible scenes like they were special effects oh, wow. someone had created. I tried to disconnect from the horror and wondered how I could recreate it as a special effect myself. Wow. Uh, which, I mean, that is an interesting way to try to uh, just deal with the constant trauma that you are seeing day to day. It's a mental coping mechanism yeah. where you're almost like tricking yourself for self-preservation yeah and he says like to do what i did as a photographer you just like i switched off my emotions um mm. and i guess they didn't just come back um on immediate come back on immediately afterwards when i got back home i had ptsd my marriage went down the toilet and for a long time and i was an emotionless zombie but it somehow set me on the path for a career in movies that's so interesting yeah, and um, i mean obviously like that's like sad and tragic in a lot of ways. And that is an expression of an experience that I have heard about in many stories that 
seems very clear to me. That's like that gives me an understanding of that in a way that I maybe yeah. didn't before. You know, that's that's very interesting. And he's so open about it too, which I think is really yeah. interesting. Um, when I first, uh, I used to host like. Uh, screen movie nights at a local bar in mm-hmm. Philly and the first one I did was The Burning and right. I remember watching the special um, features for The Burning and he was very open about like yeah this was my background and so like these are the kind of effects that I created yeah. like from this background of being a Vietnam photographer Jeez, yeah um, he uh, received a fellowship for the Carnegie Mellon's acting and directing program cool um, and yeah he uh, his he eventually has a contract that required him to have control of the direction of kill scenes and makeup effects that he did, which I think is really interesting. Okay. Um, he said, I think of them as magic tricks. Now, some directors don't know how to create magic tricks. And That's I was like, that makes sense. So he must have had some experiences where he designed what he thought were very interesting, clever makeup effects yeah. that didn't actually look that good once they were like direct you know, directed by someone yeah, else. Yeah, so he, like, then needed to have control over that, yeah. which I think is really interesting and pretty cool that, that he really got that opportunity. Yeah. Um, he also has this quote where he refers to him and Romero as magicians of murder, <laughs> which I think is amazing. That's incredible. I mean, that would make a great title for, like, a doc or a book about yep. them. Um, so, yeah, he starts working in the industry in the 70s. Um, one of his first credits is the film uh, Deranged Confessions of a Necrophile. Uh, oh. He was the makeup artist for that in 1974. Okay. It's about a deranged rural farmer who becomes a grave robber and murderer after the death of his possessive mother, whose corpse he keeps, among others, as his companion is in a decaying farmhouse. Okay, so that's like a, um, and w- forgive me, I'm bad with this, but that's that's one of the, that, that is a one of this one of the serial killers. That's like his story, right? He's got like a house full of dead bodies, uh, and he's turning people into furniture. Yeah, that's is that um, Bundy. I think that's Gein. Oh, Gein. Um, yeah, yeah. Because that's what like um, Texas Chainsaw, Psycho, Psycho yeah. like all of that stuff so is based like on a, Ed Gein. There's another one based on that, yeah. right? Because reading that too, where it's like, oh, he keeps his mother. It's like, yeah, that sounds like an Ed Gein thing. Yeah. Um, he is also, uh, one of his first, uh, which I didn't know this, uh, one mm. of his first special effects and makeup, uh, films that he did was Death Dream, which we watched. We did. Um, it's directed by Bob Clark. And I think this was part of the Criterion, like, 70s collection they had up there, like, two years ago. I and you're right. this was really good. And it is about a young soldier who's killed in Vietnam and then inexplicably shows up at his family's home one night. Yeah. Um, really good yeah. movie, actually. Really like, good. I remember yeah. really liking this movie. Bob Clark is the director of both Black Christmas and A Christmas Story. He's had a, you know, he's a journeyman director that's had quite the career that ultimately resulted yes. in him making baby geniuses. But, um, you know, early in his career, he was doing these sort of like low budget movies. He was trying to make a name for himself and he makes some really interesting stuff, including Death Dream, which had another title, too, that I can't think of now that we're yeah, talking about Yeah, I can't it. remember it. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is one of those horror movies that, like, maybe is not the best horror movie you've ever seen, but the actual allegory of like what the horror is about and meant to convey is yeah. so interesting. Um, I liked this movie a lot, and that's very interesting. It makes a lot of sense that a Vietnam War photographer gets hired to do the makeup, you know, who's been involved in some other movies, you know, has come up through Carnegie Mellon, blah, blah, blah. Gets yeah. involved in a movie specifically about, Viet- you know, a horror movie about Vietnam. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like very early in his career. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and I then, love this movie. I, I can't recommend this movie enough yeah. to people. I I liked it a lot. It was also cool when I was doing the notes for this. There were movies that I know are Savini movies, like off the top of my head, that I can just like, yeah, of course these are Savini films. And then there were ones like this where it was like, oh, I've seen this movie. I like I know this, and so it was like interesting being like, oh, I have been exposed to more Tom Savini effects than even I realized right. as like a pretty big fan of him, which right. is cool. Um. After that, in 1976, he does Martin, in which he does he acts, does stunts, special effects, and makeup. Yeah. Um, and this is one of Romero's early movies. Um, we haven't seen this one, right? I think I saw it at Horrorthon, but I don't remember a ton about it. Because um, I, I would really like to see this. This yeah. one, I think, has sort of a growing reputation in recent years. Yeah, I'd like to rewatch it because I think it's about a guy that thinks he's turning into a vampire, which I think is hey. just like an interesting premise. Love stories like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like first time working with Romero. Got so it. the note I had, which I don't know, know where I put it, but I think Romero wanted him to be on um, Night of the Living Dead, mm. but he had enlisted in the army and he oh, couldn't. So I was like, that's so weird that he does so much Romero, but isn't a part of Night of the Living Dead. And it's because he had enlisted and was not able to do the so effects for it. He Right, because at a young age, he's already making makeup effects. So yep. He wants to do this from a young age. Yeah. He's in Pittsburgh. Yep. Romero is making that movie in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. There's this guy that has been doing makeups, it right, wants to, and then he gets yeah. enlisted, you know, and then he, he goes overseas. Yeah. And he can't. But then That's because really, he's enlisted, wow. he yeah. then gains all of this like anatomical right. like knowledge and like very, vi has like all these very visceral like photographs he's taken about the war. Right. And that like makes him the artist he is like today. Right, right. Which is kind of crazy too, where it's like he probably would have been on this trajectory anyway, right. but like I wonder how like effective his makeup would have been if he had not had this life sure. experience yeah sure yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, and then, yeah, two years later, he works on Dawn of the Dead, in which he is also an actor, does special effects and does stunts. Um, and <laughs> yeah, we we watched this for, I watched it for the first time for our Ken Forey episode, mm. which was awesome. Yeah, and we now own the really wonderful Second Sight 4K yeah. uh, collection that has like a bunch of the different cuts of this movie because there's so many different cuts of this movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I believe the reason he has a stunt credit on this, by the way, is the, like, do you remember he, like, flips off of a balcony uh, in the mall sequence? I'm pretty sure that's actually him. Well, yes, he does do that, but he never intended to become a stuntman, and it just happened because they did not have a stunt right. crew because of the budget. So it's just a bunch of bikers actually doing, like, stunts. Yep. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and I I feel like even though he has such a bit role in Dawn of the Dead, he is still like really iconic to me because he is just like a character actor. He doesn't have a ton of leading roles and things when he acts, but he always has like a really good presence. He's, and I always remember him as the biker in this. He's got a memorable face and he does have a very memorable like voice and line delivery. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so he had a crew of eight people that were doing makeup for 200 extras, mm, which I just Christ. think is wild to yeah, think about. That's insane. Um, Savini chose the gray color for the zombie skin because Night of the Living Dead was black and white, but later said he thought that was a mistake because most of them ended up looking blue on film. It is It is an interesting choice. It is. And it, it strikes me as odd initially every time I watch one of these mm -hmm. movies, and then I eventually settle into like, 
no other zombie movies have this yeah. effect. And so it makes this a unique world among this genre that it basically kickstarted. Yes. And I really like and appreciate that about it, actually. Which I think is cool, too, because like, I feel like I've seen a bunch of notes of this where he's like, oh, I wasn't happy with this. Or like, oh, I realized like this didn't look good. Yeah. And so it's also just like him learning and tweaking his craft through all of these films, even though these are still like really iconic Savini films yeah. um, for the makeup effects and everything. But it's interesting that he's like, also like learning what stuff he thinks works for him and doesn't. Yeah. Um, he was also unhappy with how the blood mix looked when it was photographed because mm. it looked fluorescent. Mm. Romero liked it and he thought it was perfect for the film because it gave it like a comic book style. Sure, yeah. Uh, which also totally makes sense to me. I think that blood is very iconic, which is. is weird to say, but mm -hmm. I very like very much remember like those color details of the film. It's also interesting because, you know, there are so many movies that like got X ratings for being too violent and had to basically like desaturate the color yeah. of their blood to like get the rating they wanted. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this like pretty gross violent movie has this like fucking neon red blood yeah. is kind of interesting actually. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, apparently real cow intestines were used uh, in the scene where Sledge gets his guts ripped out. Okay. Savini lived near a slaughterhouse, and that's how we got the idea for the effect. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that works. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Very effective on screen. Um, I love that movie, by the way. We, oh, I, it's I suppose great. we should say. I love that movie. Yeah, it's really We've great. We've talked about it before, but I it's think, terrific. I mean, Ken Forey, I think, really is like the star that comes out of that, even though like I think the other performances are really good. They but are. I remember researching it after, and most of them didn't really have much right. of a career they're, later they're on. They're Romero players, basically. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Um, in 1979, he does. He is an actor, and he does the special effects for the film Effects, mm -hmm. uh, starring Joseph Pilato, who is later on in Day of the Dead. He's like the angry, like sergeant guy or whatever. Yeah, right? he yeah. gives like a wild yeah. performance. Um, while a small film crew is shooting a low-budget horror movie in a house in the woods, the lines between reality and fiction start to blur, and the movie slowly turns into a snuff film. That sounds good. I agree. Kind of interested in checking that out. Yeah, we should look that up. Then we get to his films in the 80s uh, for TV. Um, he did Tales from the Dark Side TV show, which I've seen a couple of those episodes, and it's really fun. Um, I really love just those anthology, like, horror TV shows. Yeah, I'm not sure I ever saw this one. I think yeah. I remember The Crypt Keeper most. I don't really remember this show as much. This one's really good, and there are some pretty decent actors in it, too. Um, but he did special effects for this, and he also directed three episodes. Okay, that's um, cool. So it's like, the, the and that is one of the interesting things thing about these anthology shows it gives people like Savini the opportunity to sort of like get his his hands dirty with yeah. like some directing um, and then in 1980, he does Friday the 13th, uh, yes. special makeup, special makeup effects and stunts. Yes. Um, I mean, the, the very famous finale of this movie is to my understanding, like Tom Savini's idea. Yes. The, the Jason coming out of the lake is like his invention. To yeah. My understanding. Which is, I mean, such a great scene. I, I find the first Friday the 13th on rewatches to be pretty boring overall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that moment and like the Kevin Bacon moment yeah. are oh, two right. of That's the, the other like, really famous biggest sequence. things that I remember from that. Yeah. And those are both due to Savini. Savini sequences, yeah. Um, he was one of the crew that actually slept at the campsite <laughs> while they were working on the film. A lot of the other people went to like a motel or hotel in the area. Cool. Good for you. Um, during the first few weekends of the film's release, Savini would go into theaters for the last five minutes of the show to see the audience's reaction as Jason emerged from the lake and grabbed Alice. Yeah, that makes which sense. Which is amazing. Because I mean, that's his big idea. And yep. that is 
it basically creates a franchise. Yep. You know what I mean? Like the franchise is born in that moment, I think. Yeah. Um, doing him is so interesting too, because then I got to just kind of like look into some of the effects sure. that he pulled off and how crazy they are. Um, and I think there might be pictures or videos of this. So I tried to uh, succinctly describe the death scene of Kevin Bacon. Yes, in which this is movie. the arrow through the neck if people are not yes, familiar. Yes, and he's like lying on a bed. Yeah. Um, so to make this scene work, Kevin Bacon had to crouch under the bed and insert his head through a hole in the mattress. Then a latex neck and chest appliance were attached to give the appearance that he was still lying on the bed. Uh-huh. Um, it's setup took several hours to do and Bacon had wow. to just stay in that position the entire time. Uh, Savini was also under the bed and would plunge the arrow up and through the fake neck while his assistant, also under the bed, operated a pump that would make the fake blood flow through the appliance. Once they set up... some of the more complicated parts of the scene, they went to shoot and the hose for the blood pump was disconnected. Uh, they knew this was like their only chance to actually get this to work because they had all done all this setup. Right. And so uh, one of the people on the crew, uh, Tasso, uh, Tasso and Stavars- yeah. Stavarkis. Uh he grabbed the hose and blew into it until the blood flowed out, which that's saved the scene. So that's so interesting that, yep. that that what we are watching in in actuality is like a crew of it sounds like three to five people panicking as they try and get that yes. effect to work right. Which I think the thing has a similar story and like the uh, you know head coming out of like the body uh-huh. scene and everything, but. Yeah, I was I was reading that and I was like, oh, that's so funny. And the blood is like bubbles when it comes out, and it's because someone is just like just blowing, blowing it, it through. Wow, really interesting. Yeah, I was like, but the bubbling oh, is it that like gurgling effect, which yeah. feels right for the neck. Like it's yeah, it all, it all sort works. Of, yeah, that's really interesting. It's like that's that's movie magic right there. It sure is. Um, and then he is in Maniac. Uh, he acts, does makeup, and special effects for it. Mm-hmm. I think his credit is just Disco Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which, this was our first time watching Maniac, both of us, right? Yes, yeah. I had only seen the remake prior. Okay, yeah, which I haven't seen the remake yet, and I Worth would watching. like to. Yeah. Um, and the lead... Uh, What's his first uh, name? Uh, Spinell. Joe Spinell? Yeah, Joe Spinell, yeah. Yeah, he, I believe, was a writer on this, too, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. I think you're right about that, yeah. Um, I mean, this movie is like a, a showcase for him in particular, right? He gets to do so many different kinds of acting throughout this movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's really wild in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's scenes where he's like, he's legitimately trying to flirt with women. There are scenes where he is trying to kidnap women. There are scenes, where, I mean, there are like, yep. he is in all kinds of different costuming. He, he is such a weird, complicated character that affords him, it really is like an acting showcase for him. You can, mm-hmm. uh, To me, it's like you can tell an actor wrote the movie because it does feel like it's like a showcase for yeah. all of this different stuff he can do, but all to the ends of like one of the creepiest, weirdest things ever made, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, which I, I found this movie pretty disturbing in a lot of ways on its own. Um, but Savini quoted that they originally wanted really extreme sexual murders, and I said no to some of it. So what you see in the film is actually a lot less than what they had planned. Wow. Uh, which like thank you Savini. I yeah. don't know if I probably if I could have taken more of that. Yeah, yeah. Um but he has a great scene in this because he's trying to hook up with a girl in a car. 
they are then the target of, you know, the maniac Spinel killer. Mm-hmm. And Spinel blows Savini's head off <laughs> in this really <laughs> crazy, like, over-the-top it's an performance. incredible effect sequence. Yes. So, like, Savini sets up, like, his own, like, head explosion yeah. scene, which just tickles me. And, like, I don't, do you, did you look it up? Like, I don't know how he does head explosions, but they're some of the better ones I've ever seen where you really... They're really good. You feel like you see from start to finish a yeah. head just combust before your eyes, you know? Yep. It, it doesn't feel like it's cutting away or doing any kind of trickery. Yeah. Uh, what do I... So I have some information about it. He said, I made a mask of myself and we were just sitting around talking about the effects in Maniac and I said, well, I do have this mask of myself. Why don't I play a character where we blow his head off? <laughs> I took the mask and I did a plaster lining and we filled in uh, with all of the food from the craft service okay. table. Uh, there were four... Was four cameramen on the shot and then kablam it was gorgeous yeah it does look like an explosion from inside that you know then comes out where that's really interesting okay um and then the dummy that they used for it uh for the explosion um was something that savini used extensively for effects in dawn of the dead um i think it's like there's the helicopter like chop chopper scene uh i think uh that's like one of the dummies that he uses okay um so after its use in this film, it was so saturated in fake blood and gore that they re- re- decided to retire the dummy, uh, which Tom had named Boris. Okay. Very appropriate. Um, <laughs> according, according to Savini, the dummy was locked in the trunk of the car used in the shotgun scene, and it sunk into the East River, which is also very funny to me. That is funny. Um, and then he also talks about, so to make the head explode, they had to like fire a gun through it. And he was like, I mean, I've never fired a shotgun through a windshield before. Um, and when I fired the gun, I flew backwards off the car. Somebody caught me and they immediately put me in a car and drove me away. Wow. <laughs> so they just like, he shoots it and then just like immediately has to go into the hospital after they get that shot, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, this is something I thought you would appreciate. He and Spinell hung out a lot. Uh, and. And he was that he said he took me to the Friars Club. He also took me to meet Sylvester Stallone on the set of Nighthawks. Hell yeah, Nighthawks. Nighthawks. Love it. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, Spinell is also like sort of this famous Hollywood weirdo that was like friends with a lot of people. Like he's yeah. like friends with Spielberg. Uh, there's a very funny video of them. I think like maybe at like Spielberg's apartment or something. The year of the Academy Awards that like, and I don't remember, but I think it's like. Jaws wins Best Picture, but he doesn't win Best Director. It's one of those things. And and it's maybe not even Jaws, but it's like his movie wins Best Picture, but he doesn't win Best Director. And Spinell's just just like fuming on Spielberg's behalf. He's like, who do they think the rest of this picture? His mother? (laughs) It's very funny. Um, Also, there's the uh, the lead actress in this movie whose name I'm forgetting. It's Caroline something. Um, Savini and Spinell saw her and met her at a convention mm. and that's when like Spinell really wanted her for the film but apparently Daria Nicolotti was considered for Whoa. the uh, main role before they went with Caroline. That that would have been cool. It would have made sense. Like it does feel like yeah. this is indebted to a lot of the Italian filmmakers in my opinion. Yeah and I mean Savini does work with Argento I think like a little bit mm-hmm. um, later on. Uh, uh, Argento was uh, so uh, obsessed with Dawn of the Dead that one of yeah. the cuts that you can get of it is an Argento yeah, cut of it. Yeah I remember so that. He liked Romero a lot and the two of them definitely like had a relationship and so yeah. I think Savini does as well. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and 
then in 1981, he acts in Knight Riders, another Romero movie. Hell, uh, yes, which, he does. Again, we watched for Ken Forey. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this. he said he had a great time on this because essentially the whole movie was them doing sword fights and riding <laughs> around on motorcycles. I know, things that he seems to greatly enjoy, yes. maybe even outside of movies. Um, and I couldn't figure out what this quote meant, but he mentions that, like, this is like a very biographical film for Romero. And I'm like, I That's need more context. And I couldn't find it. But I'm like, what does that mean? It do is about like n- like people pretending to be like knights of the round table. No, do you think it could just mean like a band of artists that are Maybe. sort of like traveling around trying to put a show on for people? Maybe. I don't know. Because that feels like what Romero is, right? He's got this collection of yeah. actors that always come with him from movie to movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, this has a very iconic, the reason we think Savini is sexy now, uh, he has this very iconic bikini scene where he's mm-hmm. like posing In for... In like a metallic bikini. Yes. Like, and like, like the Princess Leia bikini from Return of the Jedi, but on Tom Savini's body. Yep, pretty much. Uh, yeah, with these like sexy ladies next to him and he's just like posing on this like thing, it's stretched like a, out. It's like a sign that literally says Night Riders, isn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's like incredible and it's just it's such incredible. a moment of, it's like just a very quick moment of the movie, but yeah. it is probably one of the most iconic moments of the movie. Movie. And it's also, I mean, his character in the movie, it, I mean, it's one of the few movies where he is a pretty significant player mm-hmm. in, among the cast. And he is this sort of like interesting kind of sexy character that yep. is a little bit dangerous. He's a little bit angry. Yeah. He like he, if I remember right, he like wants a leadership role among this gang. Yeah. Right? And, and that's sur- why they kind of yeah. like break off. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, I think this movie is very much like ground zero for the sort of sex appeal of Thompson because it's yep. both, it's both that iconic look, but also like, I don't know, the energy of the man is like comes across screen, I think, in, for in sure. this movie. Uh, after Knight Rider, he does the special effects for The Prowler, which we watched uh, specifically because Savini considers this to be one of his best like works. And um, it is, it's great. I mean, it's worth watching for Savini's yes. stuff. Um, yeah, I found parts of this really boring, and it was interesting watching it for spezi- spe- Savini specifically uh, because I felt like watching it I could tell like where they had a budget for special effects and where other things were filler because I feel like the beginning is really strong with crazy effects and then the whole middle of the movie is pretty boring and then the finale is like crazy and wonderful again it has another head explosion scene that is very iconic oh god yeah that yeah also a very good one yes uh which I I think I have seen this before but didn't remember a ton of it that Um, makes sense to me I did not think this was very good but I thought the Savini of it all was like very worth it yeah there's a scene at the beginning which we both were commenting on like for this actress and for Savini to pull off and everything it was really crazy where like the prowler like stabs her like as she's in the shower and is lifting her up and she is just completely naked yeah uh, it's like he a uh, pitchfork right yeah it's, it's a pitchfork particular yeah, yeah and, and he's so just like, like lifting her with the pitchfork like pitchfork through her torso right under her breasts lifting her off the ground and I yep. just like I don't know I feel like they're uh, uh, at least I hope anyway, it's like it seems like that takes a lot of trust among the actor, the special effects yeah. team, the director. I mean, that just seems it's like wild. that is so she's so exposed. It's so violent. It's, you know, yeah. Yep. Um, after that, he does special effects for Nightmare, which I believe I also have seen, but can't remember that well. But <laughs> it's about a mental patient who embarks on a murder spree after escaping from an uh, institution. Okay. So like very standard. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then he does special effects for The Burning, which is uh, like one of my favorite slashers ever. It, I love this movie so much. I mean, my commentary on this movie is always just like, oh, somebody actually made a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, you know I mean? it like, is so entertaining. Yeah. And Savini's effects like are fucking great. They're I terrific. think he wasn't really happy with the burn makeup for Cropsy, oh, okay. uh, but he says he only had three days to work on it. It sounds like a lot of like the working on this film was kind of a nightmare. Hazard, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he turned down work on Friday the 13th part two to do this uh, he said because Jason was running around in part two and as you know there is no Jason Jason was a kid that died in the first movie if you watch a Friday the 13th movie past part one you're stupid because there's no Jason there should never be a Jason that's so funny <laughs> that is Which so is funny hilarious to me that he was just like fuck this why are we doing a sequel I know as I sit here with a Jason action figure on my desk yes. because it's one of my favorite franchises yeah. But also, I completely understand what he's saying. That's very um, funny. He also said that uh, this is, uh, I believe, one of Harvey Weinstein's first movies. Yeah, and yep. he said the film was so rushed. Harvey was creepy and loathsome even back then. Uh, I had no idea what he was doing, that he was doing those things. But like, yeah, still yeah. total creep from the beginning. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, there's just so many iconic kills in this to me. There's one with, like, the raft where Cropsy comes up and, like, kills a bunch of the kids that are on this raft. Mm -hmm. And I remember just watching Savini set up for the effects of this and everything. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, this is, like, why I love these movies. These, like, really complicated scenes that they have to figure out how to do the gore. Because, like, Cropsy also kills with these big, like, hedge clippers. Mm -hmm. And so it's really wild to watch him do it yeah it's like the uh the wine scene connection to this which is super significant i think one of them even wrote this movie mm. um it, it you know is very unfortunate because it's going to be the legacy of this movie where i do think this movie is like one of the best slashers one of yeah. the definitely one of the best like summer camp slashers which is a genre like yeah i really dig this movie yeah it's great and very watchable and entertaining and the effects are awesome yeah uh yeah i love like pretty much everything about it and i think it i it redeems it a little bit for me because like hearing Savini hated Weinstein. Yeah, right, yep. The director had a lot of problems with mm-hmm. him too. Like that's helped me a little bit be like, okay, a lot of the yeah. creatives behind this were like, fuck these guys. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like totally worth the watch. Yeah. Jason Alexander is in that one, right? Yeah. Super young yeah, Jason yeah. Alexander. It's wild. Yeah. Um, after that, he does Eyes of a Stranger. Uh-huh. Uh, he does special effects, which we watched because it has a young Jennifer Jason Lee in the we movie. Did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, interesting. He did the effects for this. It's so funny. This is one of the ones that I didn't know. Me yeah. neither. I was doing the notes, and I was like, that's one we've seen. Yeah. Um, and then in 1982, he is an actor and makeup artist for Creepshow, which mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Which, oh, okay, yeah, okay. He, yeah, he did, I think, believe he did all of Creepshow. Um, but specifically, Fluffy, the creature from the crate, uh, was the first fully animatronic creature Tom Savini had created. Okay. He spent over an hour and a half on the phone with Rob Bottin, uh-huh. uh, the effects artist from The Thing, Howling, Total Recall, um, getting advice how to build this. Okay, that makes sense. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that is like... That is almost an entirely different kind of special effect yes. than he had been doing, you know? So that's, that's and really interesting. And I love interesting. the crate. I mean, I love, I actually love, like, I think all of the segments in mm-hmm. the first But the crate show. is very good. But the crate is really good. And then I forget what it's called, but it is, uh, well, there's the Stephen King one, mm-hmm. which is also so iconic. But then there's the one where the people that are drowned yes. on the beach. Yes, I love that one. That is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, Creepshow is so great. Yeah. Um, 
He then does the special effects for a movie called Midnight, directed by John A. Russo, um, about a woman fleeing her sexually abusive stepfather, um, and she hitches a ride with two young men, but the three soon find themselves at the mercy of a backwoods satanic cult. All right, you got the satanic cult, and I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Right? Another great one. Um, he is then the special makeup effects artist for Alone in the Dark, I've never starring seen this, Martin Landau and Donald Pleasant. That's why I'm familiar with it. I mean, that's a pretty pretty interesting combo. Yeah, uh, but also another like mental patient breaks out of an asylum killing spree movie, uh, which yeah. is just like so much of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he comes back in 1984 for Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Which would not be the final chapter, but hell yeah, one of my faves yes. of the series. Doing special makeup effects and special effects supervisor. Um, it has been suggested that the only reason Savini worked as a makeup artist on this film was so that he could accurately age and properly kill the character he created from the first <laughs> film. Which I love the idea that he was like, all right, if you're really going to kill him, I'll come back. I'll, I'll come back <laughs> to get rid of that character that never should have spawned any sequels. Which is so funny yeah. to me. Um and then in 1985, he does the makeup effects for Day of the Dead, which I think of the original, like, of the Dead trilogy, I think this is our favorite. Definitely mine. I yeah. love this one so much. It's so effective. I agree. I, I really just... This one works for me. I think this one is gangbusters. Yes. Um, and despite mechanical and electrical failures that were a really big problem um, during the set, Savini's uh, props like failed several times during filming um, but despite all of this Savini was nominated and won the 1985 Saturn Award for Best Makeup Effects very deserved I mean this has in my opinion the most memorable kill in the entire franchise yeah. um in just hearing him talk about like the makeup for this is so interesting. He said, I learned that people decompose differently depending on who they are or where they were when they died. So I tried to make every single zombie in Day of the Dead look like they were from a different stage of death. Okay, that's really interesting. So yeah. cool. It, and and it is now that he's saying that it's like, oh yeah, it is a more dynamic movie. That movie yes. there is there's just more dynamics to that movie in general. Yeah. And there's so many different scenes where you're just watching a bunch of zombies come through different spaces. Yeah. And I just, there are in my head very distinct zombies mm -hmm. that I, like, my eyes always gravitate mm -hmm, towards. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that's because he put, like, so much thought behind this. Yes. Um, he says himself, this film was my masterpiece. It was this big new adventure of killing people in outlandish ways. I would say 80% of the work I did with Romero was improvised. If he liked an effect, he would wink at me and make a, a, this cricket noise. He said we had our own language. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would agree with him. I think this is like definitely a masterpiece for him. It's yeah. so good looking. Yeah. Um, and then he acts in a movie called The Ripper, uh -huh. which if you look at the poster, it is advertised as Tom Savini is The, the Ripper. Ripper. And he shows up for like the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, it looks like they probably got one day to shoot with Tom Savini, yes. potentially in his own apartment uh, complex's parking garage. No, they flew him out. Uh, oh, okay. Savini was paid 15000 according to the DVD Jesus. commentary, and was flown out for only one night of work. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, but hilarious note I found, Savini was embarrassed by his involvement with this film when he attended a 1996 Fangoria Weekend of Horror convention. Part of his routine there was uh, included getting on his knees to beg forgiveness from horror fans uh, <laughs> for being in this movie, which is hilarious because it is 
pretty bad. Yeah, it's it, it, this was not very good. This no. was hard to watch. There is some, you know, it has a few things that are like amusingly bad throughout it, but yeah. um, it, it's not it's not even really that entertaining. I was just so excited for one. It it seemed like Savini starred in this movie yeah. based on the way it was advertised. Uh, and then two, uh, we I think this is our fourth. Uh, Ripper? Ripper movie We've that we so have many watched movies. for the podcast. Yeah. Jack's Back is the one I feel like I remember most. Well, I guess Time After Time as yeah, well. Yeah, Jack's Back, Time After Time, and then there is the one we did for Jill Sholin where... Oh, um, right, which is sort of a Phantom of the Opera thing, but also kind of a Ripper Yeah, because like, he right? is like out yeah. murdering people yeah. like in this like yeah, Ripper they, way. Right, they sort of like take the Ripper mythology and go like, maybe, maybe he's the Phantom of the Opera? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so weird uh, things that happen when we look back on the history of our show. Yeah. Um, he then does the special effects for Invasion USA, which we watched. We watched, and I have almost no memory of, because in my opinion, it's a pretty boring, bad movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Chuck Norris, nah, nor kinda, do I like his sucks. movies. It's not really my brand yeah. of action, nah. but... There is this armadillo that is oh, in the yeah. movie. Do you remember that? I forgot about that? I was like obsessed with this armadillo that I think survives a giant explosion. Like yeah. I was sad that it was gonna die, and then you like I think see him like crawl off, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, the armadillo made it. That's the only I thing I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, then in 1986, he does the makeup for Texas Chainsaw 2, which oh boy. I didn't know. I actually really like Texas Chainsaw 2. I do, too. I do, too. I think that movie is fun and yeah. weird and kooky. And, which yeah. I think both of these are canon movies, so it mm. makes a lot of sense mm. that he was, like, doing some canon stuff okay. at this okay. time. Um, yeah, Savini once stated that the makeup effects that he created for Grandpa are his most, like, proud accomplishment. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. That That is also another very memorable character. This is one I'd love to buy because uh, it's so entertaining. Oh, yeah. It's, like such a fun house movie compared to the first one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, he is just like a part of so many different like franchises, which is really cool too. Yeah. To like look back on. Um, yeah. And then in 87, he is the makeup effects consultant for creep show too, which I think is like almost as good as the first creep show. Yeah. Creep show too is pretty fun. It's interesting that he's a consultant for this one. So that probably means he was not like terribly involved, but sort yeah. of like, you know, maybe he helped, provide some guidance because there's that one that i always think about the raft. the raft yeah i mean that is very memorable yep um he does uh it, it's called till death do we scare it's a hong kong film huh. and it's the only one i could find where it seems like he like like was like working for like another country's like film industry, industry. Okay, which is kind of interesting yeah. um and then in '88, he is in. Uh, he is the special makes makeup effects and stunts for Monkey Shine. Yeah, which is another Romero. Another Romero, which we watched last year. This movie is wild. It is so weird. Yeah. Because uh, it's about a guy who becomes a paraplegic and is then like using a monkey to help him like do things around the house, and that monkey becomes like obsessed with him mm -hmm. and starts killing people for mm -hmm. him, mm -hmm. like enacts his revenge. Yeah, there's like an implied. Am I wrong about this? There's like an implied telepathic connection yes. between him and his monkey. Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he like uses his monkey to like. Or, like, you know. It's unclear whether he uses the monkey or the monkey uses him, I think, right? Am I wrong about kind that? Of, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really entertaining. Yeah, it's a weird movie that is pretty cool. Uh, his daughter Lila appears in a small role as, like, a kid in one of the. Okay. 
in the movie. And then um, he, he still has the animatronic RoboChimp puppet oh for Ella uh, in his attic. Oh, boy. Which is pretty funny. And then we get to... that's a weird fucking attic. Uh, right? Tom attic. I would love to see that But that's attic. a crazy space. Yes. Um, and then we get to his roles and work in the 90s, mm-hmm. which this one was wild. He was the key makeup artist and special effects person for Ghost Rider, the kid's show. Oh, I watched that a bunch growing up. Yes. And I think we talked about this for David Patrick Kelly was in it Maybe, or something, yeah. which just like a weird, I barely remember that show, but I remember I thought it was really cool when uh-huh. I was a kid. So Tom Savini was also a part of my childhood. Yep. Uh, and then in 1990, he does the uh, makeup effects, uh, special effects, and stunts for Two Evil Eyes, uh, which I n- haven't seen in a while. But That's the one that is a Romero and Argento yes. joint. Yeah, which yep. is really cool. Yeah, um, there's good stuff in that mo- in both of those movies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'd like to rewatch it. I think we I think own we have it. it. Yeah. yeah, there's a Blue Underground uh, Blu-ray that I think I have. Yeah. And then uh, Tom Savini directs Night of the Living Dead. Uh, they do a remake of the film. They sure do, which we, we watched. This is a movie I've been hearing a lot about over yes. the years. I feel like it. Uh, this is a movie whose reputation has uh, grown a little bit in estimation in recent years. And so I was sort of curious yeah. to see it. One of Savini's only, like I think, like feature-length directing credits, to my knowledge. I think later on there are some more, okay. but I think this is like maybe one of the first okay. ones. Um, but yeah, he he says like Romero came to him and was like, "Hey, we got financing for a remake of Night of the Living Dead," and I was like, "Oh, goody! I'll go make some more zombies." And yeah. he was like, "No, I want you to direct it." Oh wow. <laughs> okay, so like Romero sort of like handpicks him to. Yes. Okay, that's cool. Um, he, it's interesting, uh, which we'll talk more details about the movie, but he said, I still have nightmares where I'm on the set. Uh, the first two weeks were splendid. I was directing the hell out of it, out of the movie. Um, and I really got what I wanted to do, but my divorce two weeks into it is what mentally just made me spiral into a zombie like state. I had to direct this movie. Then I also didn't want to lose my daughter and money. Uh, so he's like dealing with this really big divorce, like in the middle of like you know a big directorial like moment for him um he says the movie represents about 40 percent of what i intended to do and i think it would have been a much better movie if i had gotten to do it Mm. Uh, which is unfortunate um although i think there are a lot of really good things about this movie movie. um i mean i love tony todd so seeing tony todd in more like starring roles was really fun um, the woman that played Barbara was great. She was great. And in general, uh, we were talking about this with the Mission Impossible franchise earlier. I think like one of the, it seems like one of the impetuses for this, that's such a weird word, impetuses, for this movie is just to sort of give Barbara her due as a character. Yes, I agree. Yeah, uh, Patricia Talman uh, Oh, plays, that's the actress's name. Yeah. And yeah, he mentions that um, I had just seen Alien and hear Sigourney Weaver as this female hero, and I wanted Barbara to be a hero like that. Um, cool. In the in the original, Barbara's a brain dead twit. In my version, she's a hero. Um, that might be why a lot of people like it more because yeah. I think it has had this like resurgence, mm-hmm. and I think that's honestly one of my favorite things about it is Me that. Too. And even when it starts, it feels like. I'm like, oh, this woman is just doing like kind of the same thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the original Barbara did, and that's like really frustrating to watch. And then you just imme- like start to watch her throughout the film become this hero, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh shit, 
this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I love this character development yeah. that we just never got in the original. Yep, yep. And they give, you know, that gives her also, like, a lot more to do with the Tony Todd character, which yeah. ends up being a really fun dynamic, too. I it's, agree. Yeah. There are a lot of good things about this movie, I yeah. think. It, in my opinion, suffers in the same way, and people probably hate me for saying this, but, like, suffers in the same way as the original one, which is just that, like, it's a little slow at mm -hmm. times where you are just trapped in this house with these people yeah. with the same sort of constant threat outside. Yeah. And I think even that's a little bit the point of the movie, a little bit the commentary of the movie, but there is something maybe a little boring about that. Yeah, I think, like, I always, I don't always think about zombie movies as, like, one of my favorite genres, me although either. there are a lot of zombie mm -hmm. films I like. And I think part of it is, like... I feel like you do ultimately get to a point where you just have a lot of humans stuck together and a lot of those humans suck. Yeah, yeah. They, and yes. so it's just like, ugh, I'm just like watching these people like argue and like do the whole like, what's the right thing to do in this yeah. situation? Is it survival? Do we try to act as a group? And so I think yeah. like those elements are hard to do and like they're not always the most interesting especially if like your characters aren't that interesting yeah like this movie gets really challenging the longer the guy from the basement is around and just continuing to challenge tony yeah. todd's character he sucks because it's just like at a certain point you're like oh, okay we get it you guys like don't yep. like each other you don't want to do what each other wants to do yeah but what are we going to do about that like let's go let's yeah what like are we doing? you're just arguing yeah. and like i think barbara and some other characters are like you need to stop yeah, yeah. like this is yeah. not what we need to be yeah. doing in this situation which yeah. i appreciate um, in 1991, he is the makeup <laughs> effects artist for a movie called Blood Sucking Pharaohs in Pittsburgh. Hilarious. What a title. But the uh, when I looked at IMDb, the synopsis is just two cops and a detective's daughter go after a chainsaw killer. Okay. Does not seem nope. to connect with nope. the title, but okay. I wonder if that title is strictly a, like, we need some box art that'll sell at the VHS store. Yep. Sounds it, right? Yeah. And also the the title of that reminded me of like Blood Diner and yeah. uh cuz that's like kind of the premise is like cannibals and like Egyptian goddess and like weird stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um there's also a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie called Blood Feast about yes. like uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Egyptian think Blood Diner is like thing. meant to be like a sequel oh, to that. And it's directed by Jackie Kong and she's oh. amazing. Oh, we got to watch that. I've never we, seen that. We have to watch okay. it. It's so fun. I didn't know that was like a, a you know, pseudo sequel to yeah. Blood Feast. Yeah. It's super okay. like corny like his movies typically oh, okay, are okay okay um in 1992 he is one of the actors in innocent blood which is a landis movie i heard of that one uh with robert loja mm -hmm. and tony um sarisso yeah i'm not sure how you say uh, who Sirico? like just passed away he's one of the leads of the oh, sopranos right. yeah yeah um so i was like oh no um and then in 1993, he does special effects and is a makeup consultant for Necronomicon Book of the oh, Dead, which okay. we also watched. Yeah, that's the one uh, with um, Jeffrey Combs as, yeah, um, uh, as Lovecraft. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. okay. Um, he then does the special makeup effects for Trauma, which is mm. a Dario Argento movie, which I haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen um, that stars his daughter, Asia. Right. Um, I would like to watch this. Me too. Um, I forgot he was in this really terrible movie we watched for um, a, for an episode. In 1995, he is in The Demolitionist. Fully forgot this was a movie, and we yes. only watched it like within the last year. I know. I was like, oh, shit. That's true. Fully forgot this existed. Um, same thing goes for the movie Mr. Stitch that he is in and also does makeup for. Do you remember Mr. Stitch? Oh, I remember Mr. Stitch. I did not remember that he was in it necessarily. Yeah. Weird stuff. Really weird stuff. 
Um, and then in 1996, he is in From Dust Till Dawn. Now that I remember him in. He is credited as Sex Machine. Yeah. Have you seen From Dust Till Dawn? I have. It's for some reason one of Tarantino's movies that doesn't like live in my head like well, some so of this, his others. This is the one that he wrote, but Robert Rodriguez directed. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, and it has the, you know, the, the sort of premise of this movie, which I do enjoy quite a bit. There's some stuff in this movie that I do not like, um, but premise is kind of cool. It's like you think you're watching a movie that is basically a typical Tarantino movie. It's like these two hitmen kidnap like a family or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they stop at a bar and then they never leave that bar because it turns out that bar is run and infested by vampires. And suddenly a movie that you think is just this sort of like crime movie becomes like a crazy violent horror movie. Interesting. Which is pretty fun. And Savini, uh, as the character Sex Machine, is a guy that uh, is hanging out at that bar. And I don't know if you remember this. He wears a big metal cod piece that contains a gun. Um, he pulls a gun out of his penis, basically, and uh, that fires sounds it like a, few a times. thing he would do. Yep, it's pretty great. Yeah, uh, it's also the scene that features like Salma Hayek at her absolute hottest, where she's like got a snake around her body while she's doing like a dance. Oh yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Um, and then after, oh, uh, this was funny. According to the DVD featurette for that movie, uh-huh. when Sex Machine is throwing around the other characters, Tom. Fiz- Tom Savini actually punched many of the actors, <laughs> including George Clooney. Incredible. Yeah, Savini punched George Clooney. Not awesome. many people can say that, I'm no. sure. Um, and then in 1997, he was an actor in Wishmaster, which I have seen, but it's been a while. I've I never don't seen that. I would like to see it. They're, There's they're a like, few of those movies. I know. And they're like genies? They're like haunted genies? Yeah, it's like the, uh, be careful what you wish yeah. for kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but like pretty fun. Yeah. Um, in the 2000s, we get to his roles in the 2000s. Uh, he was on The Simpsons, which just makes sense for him, yep, right? Yep. I think I've even seen that episode. He's because he's literally Tom Savini, I believe, in The Simpsons. Yep. Uh, in 2001, he was in Children of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. Which I don't think I knew no, was a thing. Uh, in small Pennsylvania town, Matthew has just taken over an old farm property in order to start his new car dealership. Unknown to him, the farm is located on the site of a graveyard, which the local townsfolks claim should be left alone. Oh, okay. Um, he is then uh, one of the actors in a movie called Zombiegeddon, which sure. I feel like, you know, based on that, I mean, we kind of know what it's about. Well, we've entered the phase of his career that we often get to with these these yes, movie people, right? Where sure. it's like they are now known by the horror community. They are they are the horror community loves them yeah. and and wants to just like include them in their own projects yeah. as much as possible, even if it's not mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2004, he plays the county sheriff in Dawn of the Dead, the I remake. This. Yes, which we watched. Yeah, I remember there's like some interview footage, I think, like he's being like yeah. interviewed by the media or something. Yep. Uh, and then he is in Land of the Dead. Yeah, which is really cool. You need to watch that. We got to watch it. Yeah, sometime. I'd like to watch that. That one's really fun. Dennis Hopper is in that. Um, so it's, it, oh, word. It, yeah, it's really fun that Savini, you know, returns to that universe with Romero. Yeah. I think on screen again, too. I think he is like acting in that a mm. little bit. Cool. Um, in 2007, he does Grindhouse. He's in uh, specifically the Planet Terror movie. Yeah, I don't remember him in that, but that makes sense to me that that's the one that he's in of those two. Yeah, which I would like to rewatch because uh, I feel like that was the one I thought I liked the most when I saw Grindhouse. Right. But now um, I have a feeling it's flipped. Oh, it's I definitely bet a, I bet in a big bad way, actually. Oh, I mean... Uh, not, not just because you like Death Proof so much more than you probably did, yeah. 
I would guess that Planet Terror would also fall in your estimation oh, it, quite like, a bit. Yeah, would yeah, age yeah, yeah. poorly, potentially. Yeah, my, that's my guess, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Death Proof is just so fucking good. Yeah, like, yeah. how can you compare? Uh, he is then in Diary of the Undead, um, oh, which I haven't seen. And in 2008, he is in Zack and Mary Make a Porno, which I feel like we watched a year or two ago, and I don't remember him in it. Oh, I do. By the way, I believe he's in Diary of oh, the of Dead. Oh, of the Dead. And I just wrote Undead. That's why I was undead. confused, because Diary of the Dead is another Romero of the Dead movie. That makes sense. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, in Zack and Mary Make a Porno, he is the guy that rents them a like storage space from which they're going to shoot their movie. Oh. And then I, if I remember it, like finds out what they're doing in there, and it's just like, yeah, you're not. I, I'm not. Like, no. I'm just closing this down. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Because uh, um, that movie takes place in Pittsburgh, and so the, mm. I remember the hockey team is the Monroeville Zombies. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So they they're doing a bunch of sort of Romero nods throughout the movie, and so yeah. that's that's Sabini's inclusion in that movie. Yeah, I figured you'd have more context since I you're know, a Kevin the, Smith the old, person. Yeah, I'm a Kevin Smith head going way back. Uh, and then we get to his roles in the 2010s. Uh, so for TV, he actually does a fair amount of stuff. He was one of the voice actors in Aqua Teen Hunger Force, yeah, which awesome. I used to love. I used to love that show, yeah. Uh, he directed an episode of Creep Show, the, okay, the yep. new like Shutter TV show. Yep, yep. Uh, he was an actor in Lock and Key oh. and Nosferatu, which oh. are both uh, Joe, Joe Hill, Hill adaptations, yeah. yep. and is an actor in the Dustal Dawn TV show, which oh, yes. I didn't know existed. I did. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but for a while, I don't know if he still does, um, Robert Rodriguez had his own TV network, the El Rey oh, network. Oh, weird. And one of these sort of... I had no idea. Yeah, one of the flagship things was he made a From Dust Till Dawn TV ah, series. Weird. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, he was in Machete, I which like I Machete. haven't seen. Machete's fun. Um, and then I guess he was in Django Unchanged, which we oh. also just watched recently he and did. I do not remember I him in. I don't at all. Um, so yeah, like continues to work with uh, Rodriguez and uh, Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I guess then he was also an actor in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, I didn't see that movie. I mean, I read that book as everyone else my age did. Oh, I didn't read that book. Oh, I yeah. missed that one. But I knew yeah. it was like a popular like teen book. Yeah, at it was the an time. emo kid book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2012, he is in Robin Hood, Ghost of Sherwood. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he plays the Sheriff of Nottingham, oh. which just sounds right for him, which <laughs> With I think Kane is funny. Kane Hodder as Little Joe. Yes, oh Kane Hodder. God. Yeah. Uh, and then 2013, he reprises his role for the sequel to Machete, Machete Kills. I've not seen that one. And in 2016, he was in a movie, which honestly, I just put in here because the name is so funny. Devil Ant 3, Son of Devil Ant. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Because of the Devil Ant. Devil you know, Ant. He had a son. You know, yeah. But I wonder if the sequel is uh, Bride of Devil Ant or something. Oh, uh, Yeah. It's weird that there are at least three devil ants, but okay. Uh, and then in the 2020s, uh, he, in 2020, does special effects for a movie called Sky Sharks. Oh, when the sharks took to the skies. I love, like, these sci-fi channel-style shark movies because uh-huh. their premises are all really crazy. So, deep in the ice of the Antarctic, a team of geologists uncover an old Nazi laboratory. <laughs> Always got to have Nazis in uh-huh. this still intact where dark experiments had occurred in order to conquer the world. The Nazis created modified sharks who were able to fly. Yeah, the sharks took to the skies. What? Yep. Sounds crazy. Yep. Uh, I do love that those movies are frequently like, how do we explain this? Uh, Nazis were doing experiments. It's like always Nazis. They're like the best scapegoat. Sharks and Nazis. 
2021. Didn't know this. I, I guess technically either. 2022. He I, was the special effects supervisor for the Black Phone, which I we just saw. And didn't even about. bring it up because I didn't bring it up before because yep. of him. I didn't know that he was involved. I know. That's which, awesome. uh, yeah, I was like, oh, cool. I did not That's know that. Really cool. Uh, and then, yeah, he has a couple films that are, like, in the works. Uh, there's a movie called Beaten Path that's in pre-production with Kane Hoder about mm. college kids who stray from a hiking path to become trapped in a parallel world where huh. a deadly nightmare begins to claim them. All right. Um, he has a movie announced in which he'll direct, act, do makeup, and special effects called Nightmare City um, with Ray Weiss. Is that like a remake? There is a movie called Nightmare City. I wonder if it's uh, related or not. Uh, I mean, it sounds like an of the dead movie. When a mysterious virus spreads from Haiti to Miami, turning people into terrifying bloodthirsty creatures, a small group of survivors tries to escape from the city of the walking dead. Okay. Interesting. All right. And then he has two movies that are announced. Uh One is called Pig Boy. He ain't no babe. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, and then a movie called Bad Dennis Bad that Dennis. is also in the works. Okay, interesting, interesting. So, you know, yeah, yeah. he's again, he's in this phase of, I feel like, all of these people's careers where yep. he's, you know, still still around, still doing a lot of For stuff. Sure. But, you know, probably maybe more in the realm of just like, you know, who's young and interested, you yeah. know, trying to, to do stuff and could maybe afford me for a day, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, he has a lot of other things going on. He wrote a book called grand illusions, which I believe just came out like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the smoke and mirrors documentary, which I believe, I think he just posted is like coming, getting a physical release. Okay, cool. Um, he has his own special effects company called Tom Savini uh, Limited. Yeah, and I think like they even do like classes. Like I think you can learn like how to do this stuff from Tom Savini. He to continues some to oversee a school for yeah. aspiring makeup artists in Monacen, PA. Okay. Okay. Um, which has been open for eighteen years. Okay, I thought I thought I knew this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, if my sister, uh, fingers crossed, continues doing makeup stuff, we can send her to Tom Savini's uh, makeup school. Yes. Um, he mentioned that for his stunt work, he references, uh, his reference is action legend Jackie Chan. Of course. Which I assume you would appreciate. Of course. Um, only man in Hollywood who can claim all four titles of stuntman, makeup artist, actor, and director. Only one man has come close, and that was Lon Chaney, Tom's influence and childhood idol. Um, there recently uh oh, i'll talk about this last because i think it's really funny but mm. um apparently he had turned down the chance to direct pet cemetery 2 mm, okay. th- or pet the first pet cemetery sorry oh, okay yeah um which is interesting because it uh you know then goes to ultimately mary lambert, mary lambert. Directs that movie yeah. and uh, you know i love mary lambert and i think you know she made a terrific movie in pet i agree cemetery, i think yeah um, has a haunted house, Terror Mania, that's located in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, students from his classes um, perform and work in the haunted okay. house, which I love. Um, Got to go there sometime. Yeah. Uh, he's a skilled fencer. Sure. Makes sense. Um, he's apparently terrified of spiders and razors. Uh-huh. Um, everyone thinks Tom Savini doesn't like things unless they're blood and gore. He said, that's stupid. My favorite movies are always love stories. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, and then he talks about being a grandfather and oh. how much he loves it. He was asked, like, if his he's th- his 
uh, in the interview, his grandson was three, mm. and he was like, he's three, he doesn't watch horror movies, he watches Paw Patrol, but every now and then I come in with an inflated gorilla suit and surprise him just so he'll run up and uh, cower in my arms, or we'll have a gorilla Godzilla fight, or you'll see him in the backyard with a creature from the Black Lagoon or an alligator behind him, uh, which I just think is like cute, yeah, like cute. he's trying to get his uh, grandson yeah. to be a horror fan. That's cool. Very um, cool. But I knew we were about to record this episode, and I was excited because this story just came up recently where um, Brian Fuller made a T-shirt that says, Tom Savini made me gay. Uh-huh. Um, Did you just have a picture of him and Knight Riders on it? No, it just says, Tom Savini okay. made me gay. Uh, and I guess, like, recently met Tom Savini, had, like, posted about it and was just, like, and, like, talked about, like, yeah, like, had this sexual awakening yeah. seeing, like, Tom Savini at a young age and, like, had, you know, said had the Tom Savini made me gay shirt. And Savini retweeted it and was just, like, this is the greatest compliment I could ever <laughs> receive. And I was just, like... I love you even more than uh-huh. I thought I already did. Yeah. So I just love, uh, yeah, love that. The I get, you know, I, I get pretty good vibes off of Tom Savini. Oh, he for seems sure. like a really, like, pretty cool dude. Um, <laughs> Would love to meet him. Just done cool work in a very, very cool, interesting yeah. career. And it's really fun that he got to do as much acting as he did because it gives us a reason to talk about him even though it's like the thing that I think people obviously know him for is like the makeup and the special effects and stuff. And it's kind of cool to talk about him as a performer because I do think he's an interesting actor. Like he has a very distinctive look. He's got a great screen presence, even though he's mostly done like bit roles. I think he's like a lot of fun on screen. Like there's no reason for me to remember him so specifically in Zack and Mary make a porno. Mm. It is barely a role, but he is so distinctive looking that I just, I, I can see he's got this weird little hat on in that movie, this big overcoat. Like, I just remember it distinctly. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I found some cool interviews in uh, RogerEbert.com and independent.co.uk. Uh, um, so, yeah, there's lots of great Savini information out there. Um, yeah, he was just so endlessly interesting. I had, like, so much fun actually researching him. Um, it just made me like him even more, which is always fun. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very good. Yeah. Well, should we uh, do some plugging and sign off? Yeah, let's plug. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find me on, you know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Neon Banshee. Uh, I don't know if I have anything like, oh, recently I wrote um, A Woman Who Kill for Dawn in Teeth, uh, which I really dedicated to the infringement on abortion rights in the United States and how yeah. the obvious uh thing that you know women and people with a uterus can do is just develop vagina dentata as like an evolutionary response to uh you know the patriarchy yeah, so crimes of the future style yeah use your body to rebel against yes exactly yeah. that's what we should do so yeah. you can read that uh i did an interview and a review for the um, australian horror film sissy recently and uh and yeah those are my my things yeah you can find me on the internet at Filmadelphia, that is with an F, um, on Twitter and Letterboxd there. Uh, check out my Letterboxd. Love that site. Um, and, you know, find us on moviejohn.com, J-A-W-N. Uh, email us uh, wherever we're on the internet at killerbeespodcast, killerbspodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, all right, yeah, that's it, that's it. Let's yeah. get out of here. Emails are great because I've just been getting a lot of spam about Bitcoin in our email uh, box lately. So yeah. if people want to send me real emails, that would also be nice. Give us something else to read. <laughs> yeah.
Cool. All right. Buzz, buzz. buzz.